Sometimes the blues are just the blues. Life seems pointless or cruel or unfair. And sometimes our choices make it worse, but not always. Bad things can just happen. It would seem that being down is part of being human. Now that's why we sing or play or listen to the blues. It's one of the only things that makes the pain any better is sharing it. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Double R.A. As you can see, we've got blues on the mind around here. And if this is your first time here in the show, you're welcome around our fire, my friend. Hang your hat by the door, find a seat, and kick your feet up. We're going to relax and muse and wonder, and hopefully come out wiser on the other side. And along the way, I'll play you some original blues of mine, which I hope you enjoy. Whatever kind of week you've had, this is a refuge for you. I hope you find some peace and some hope. I hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high and pass it on. Well, my friends, it turns out that uh, what I was saying up top is personally applicable this week. Bad things can just happen. Because I sprained my back recently, and I tell you what, it's been a while, and I had forgotten how many muscles are connected to the spine. My goodness. It just went out, too. There wasn't anything that I was doing necessarily. I was in a minor car wreck maybe about six weeks ago, but I thought I was pretty much fine. I guess not. I guess that started a cascade that uh, I got stiffer and stiffer, and then one night I was just sitting in a chair, and I turned, and whoop, I was on all fours. And then on my stomach, trying to find a way to stand back up. Oh my goodness, it was so much fun. Funniest part about it was, too, we had just come home from a minor surgery that my daughter had. Just to, you know, take care of a few things. Little surgery, but, you know, they still have to recover. And now I'm the one recovering right alongside her, which is hilarious. And she's actually recovering faster than I am. Add to that, about a week after this happened, I knew I was going to have to fly across the country for Granddad Will's uh, celebration of life service. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, it's going to be a red eye. I'm going to be sitting upright in a chair with this hurt back. How is this going to work? Because see, what I realized is if I fell asleep on any of those overnight trips, I had several legs in the flight. If I fell asleep and my back just kind of, you know, went, I might not be able to get out of the chair when I got to the next airport, which means I had to stay awake for about 30 hours straight, flying from Los Angeles to Dulles, in Washington, D.C., before taking a car ride up to Pennsylvania. 
But thankfully, I can tell you that it did work out. My back's actually feeling a lot better today as I'm recording. But, man, getting together with family like that was, was a beautiful time, full of mourning and memories and laughter. And that sense of togetherness that's the sweetest comfort after a loss. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but what I can say is I'm happy to be back in the booth, happy to be back in the City of Angels, happy to be talking to you fine people. So what do you say? Ready for some more blues? Let's go. I do a lot of different kinds of episodes on this show, but this one is a true blues episode. I don't know if I'm the only one who's experienced this, but there's something about a hot, hazy, endless afternoon in the summertime that just gives me the blues. I remember this from when I was young, you know, Sunday afternoon when my parents were taking naps and I was all alone in the silence of the house or even taking a walk outside or on into college. On Sunday afternoons when I'd be driving back for lunch after going to some service in a little country church, because the college I went to was uh, in the cornfields of Ohio, and just going around those long, winding turns, looking off into the hazy sunlight. It didn't really feel relaxing. It kind of felt dead. It felt like a letdown. It just kind of made me feel melancholy. The weekend wasn't over, but it basically was. You're sort of in these doldrums before the week really begins. And the world around you is just sort of hushed and quiet and mournful. And here in L.A. too. There's something oddly sad about these hot, smoggy days we have sometimes. Where there's no wind. And even if you're up on a mountain looking out over the basin, everything just feels lifeless. And I think those are the times when people wonder about what there is to hope for. And I understand that feeling. Even though I believe I have a hope. That overcomes all that. It reminds me of this Counting Crows song. I don't know if you know that band, but they did a song called A Long December, talking about broken relationships and regrets and things that should have been, things that could have been but aren't and are gone. Or maybe John Mayer's Why Georgia? Why live the lives that we do? Why are we where we are? What's going on? Is there a bigger plan? Or really any Bukowski poem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even though good old Chuck Bukowski, that, uh, that guy knew how to capture that sense of despair and emptiness. How we lived with it so long, I don't know. But he created some incredible work, I'll tell you that. And it, and it really captures this for me, this melancholy, these summertime blues. I know normally I'm pretty hopeful on this show, and I don't intend to be different today, but I think part of letting hope have its day is let it slam up against the hopelessness that's all around us. And I think that's where the blues come in especially handy. And that's why I love them. 
right? They don't shy away. They go right at it and dig into it and we sit in it. And, you know, we wail, whether it's on the guitar or with our voices or both. And then we come out the other side, hopefully stronger and wiser. And that's what we're doing here, people. So uh, thanks for coming along. Even though we're going to wade through some sadness, we're going to do it together. And we're going to come out the other side. Like I said, that's what makes it better. So, here's some blues. Let's begin with the fascinating, if frustrating, reality. Especially for those of us who are trying to live a life of faith. You can't really see God without your imagination. Or should I say it this way? Having faith in God requires a great deal of imagination. You have to picture what he's like. You have to picture what he feels like, what he's thinking, what his personality is, rather than experience it firsthand, like you would with a friend or a lover or a family member. See, we get to know people by observation, by being around them, by seeing what they do and how they talk. And with God, it's much, much, much more removed. We're sort of looking at what feel like forensic clues to his existence, to his proclivities, to his passions. And it can feel so utterly distant, even for those of us who are deep into it, you know? And that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest questions about God is why is he so far away or why does he seem so far away? Why do we have to use our imagination so much to connect with him? The sad reality is that we all have to live in this existence without being able to see or hear this being that is supposedly the most important, the most loving, the most giving, the most generous. And yet it seems he's not here. I love having this discussion because it leads to all kinds of interesting, encouraging places. But I don't want to just sidestep the fact that it can give you the blues, right? If there's this source that you're supposed to find and connect to and that brings you to life, why is it so hard? Goodness gracious. Why is it so hard to nail down truth and love and hope? Why do we have to do this by faith, not by our five senses, right? I can't give a complete answer to that. But what it makes me think of is that this is why stories and archetypes and characters and imaginary journeys are so important. Why they help us find our way toward not just an idea, but I think a person, a divine being that we can actually relate to, that we can feel deep down in our bones who gets us and understands us. See, that that actually is the most profound contention, I think, in the scriptures about why Jesus, being God, had to come here, right? Forget what you believe for a second. Just think about the idea that the divine entity had to, and I mean had to, like it was necessary to work out the problem that we're all living in, had to come here and be one of us and suffer like one of us and be touchable, and seeable, and hearable. The idea that there were some people that got to experience God through their senses, and then they told their story, and that has come down to us through history. 
despite the fact that those of us who are living now don't get to experience it through our senses, we can listen to the stories of people that did and were changed by it. And that's pretty amazing. So yeah, it gives me the blues sometimes when I'm looking up at the sky, whether in the day or the nighttime. I'm wishing I could reach out and touch something I believe in so strongly and I can't. I believe I can kind of hear what he wants sometimes, right? It's sort of like radio frequencies, <laughs> but it's distant. I guess it's different for everybody, but it is hard. And I think that's worth acknowledging and I think it's worth chewing on and maybe playing a little blues to help us sort it all out. My wife said something the other day that made me crack up. <laughs> See, I, I work in uh, a home office, which is really just a corner of the bedroom in a closet, uh, with the lights down low and the curtains shut and the door shut, sometimes with headphones in. And she asked me, do you want me to open that window for you? And I said, no, 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 leave it dark. And she said, okay, caveman. <laughs> the timing was just perfect. It just cracked me up. But of course, Immediately, I realized, no, she's so right on. I mean, I'm a digital caveman, but look at me in here. I'm closed off to the outside world so that I can do creative work. It's like I need to be in a sense deprivation chamber to create these worlds that I'm imagining. You know, I'm not the only worker that does this, right? There are editors and color correctors and sound editors. and all. We all work in this kind of cave-like atmosphere to make things perfect for when they go to air or go to online destinations. So it's not like I'm unique in the work that I do and that I do it that way. But the most interesting thing to me about that is that I'm, I'm trying to create emotional connection on the page while I'm alone. In the hopes that later, somebody may read it and feel that same emotion. I mean, it's like, it's like time travel. Because I'm trying to achieve some dreamlike state where I can feel what it would really be like to live what I'm writing. And I think many writers and creators would agree with me. That's a good approach to you know, tune out the world as much as you can. But what it also makes me think of is how much of modern humanity lives this way. Right? We shut out the world and try to connect to what's around us through isolation. Through one screen or one set of earbuds or one car. I mean, you're probably listening to this podcast by yourself in earbuds. I, I doubt people are putting this on their Bluetooth speaker in their house. Which is the utter irony of this form to me. See, the reason I do this is that I want to make a connection with y'all, with anyone who enjoys the podcast or comes on to the Ramble Room. 
But during the creating process, I have to be alone. It's like a dream of a life that is broader and deeper, and I'm hoping that this is a doorway to it. I think it might be, still. But the irony of the process is not lost on me. And the reality that so many of us in giant cities with millions of people spend so much time alone. I can tell you I'm thankful for my family, that's for sure. I was telling my daughter the other day, I can't imagine not having all you guys. I would, I would need to find a roommate. Maybe move into a group home or something. Because <laughs> I think what allows me to do so much lonely work is that when it ends, I have someone there waiting for me. And I know that's not true for everyone. And I think that's why so many writers and actors are enjoying the community they're finding while being on the picket lines during this strike. It's bringing a sense of camaraderie and community and being physically present with other people that we really do need. See, we weren't meant to be cave people. We were meant to roam free together. And it's sad that so many times we don't. You know, that brings me to another sad reality about being human. We are terrified to be known, to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. See, as we don't think that that can actually happen without us being judged and excluded. And why is that? Because it's happened before in the past, right? Man, we learn so fast. <laughs> you, you expose your jugular, someone will tear it out. Everyone is terrified. Everyone is looking for a target where they can focus their fear to protect themselves. It's just tragic. And the wild thing is we really do want to be seen and known. And also we want to hide. Right? We got secrets we don't want anybody to know. I'm thinking of some right now <laughs> that I wouldn't tell anyone but my wife. And maybe sometimes not even then. And you know what I mean. We are terrified that anyone who knew the real us would burn us to the ground, expose us to open shame, right? Which is interesting, because I've heard it said, and I think it's true, what we think others will do to us is often a reflection of the way we are and the way we think, right? We're afraid of being judged, but we judge. We're afraid of people talking behind our back about us, and we do the same thing. We're afraid of being made to feel shame. So much so that we'll make others feel shame so that they're in the crosshairs. Like I said, there is something wrong with us. We are the biggest obstacle to the thing that we want most. And this is why a close, intimate relationship is the most healing thing. <laughs> to find somebody that you can finally show all your warts to, and they show you theirs. And then you're still together. And even as you go on together and hurt each other and maybe even betray each other, but you find a way to forgive and heal, there is something divine about that. 
And if you have a relationship like that, you know what I mean. And you also know that it is a major exception to the rule. So many people who are in intimate relationships don't actually have intimacy. They have closeness, I guess. They have nearness. They have space together. But they don't always share themselves. And they're missing out on so much. Why do we have to be this way? Why couldn't we be different? And as corny as it might seem to some of you listening, I think that story of Adam and Eve nails it. Not going to debate the merits of it or the historicity or any of that stuff. Just look at what the story's doing. That knowledge of good and evil shows us the evil in ourselves. And we want to hide it. But when we do that, we lose the thing that we want and need the most. To be seen. And that's the kind of suffering that the entire human race lives in. I heard a speaker say this recently, and it was kind of affirming. He just said, just remember, we all suffer every day. To varying degrees, and some more than others, but we all do suffer. Suffering is a part of life. And we're all looking for ways around it, and salves to make it feel better. And some of the ones we find kill us, and destroy the people around us. But some actually seem to do the trick. And I hope you found one of those. One that's way better than my blues music. As soothing as that might be. Here's some more. Enjoy. You know, another thing we really, really need as human beings is hope. Like, it's not just a bonus. It's a necessity. And if we don't have any kind of belief that tomorrow can be good, even if it's not better than today, that it can still be good, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, if we don't have that, we go downhill real fast. (laughs) And so, as I've told you guys, I found that out firsthand in the pandemic. I had no hope. That endless tunnel in front of me that seemed all darkness, just ripped it away, which is odd. Because up until that point in my life, I had lived with such optimism and a positive outlook. But I guess I had a giant glaring weak spot that I just didn't see till it took a right hook that laid me out. So we need hope to survive, or I mean, at least to flourish for sure. And when you start to think about it, that's really strange. We're physical creatures, right? We need food and air and water and sunlight and coffee. But, you know, that takes care of our physical needs. Why do we need to have a sense of a future to really live a kind of fully realized life? Why is that? I think of it as kind of one of the curses of self-awareness. Knowing that death is coming, knowing that we are not where we want to be, being able to imagine a future that is not yet, we yearn for this kind of upward ladder that we can be climbing in our life to get to something. Because we don't feel like we're there yet. There's something wrong here, and we need to get past it. And that's the way we think. And we need hope to maintain that. And I mean, it's kind of strange. 
You know, it makes me think of that uh, amazing video game, The Last of Us. You know, now a series on HBO Max, or Max, I guess. What keeps those two characters trekking across the entire nation in a post-apocalyptic state full of death around every corner is this hope that it'll be worth it when they get to the other side. They'll find something that will make all the suffering make sense, so make all the suffering seem like nothing. And isn't that interesting? I think we all want that. I think that's what any philosophy or worldview or religion or whatever label you want to slap on it should provide. A promise that all the junk and the injustice and the unfairness and the pain that you've lived through was worth it and created something amazing and beautiful on the other side. And I wonder how many people have that in their worldview or have the guts to look for it if they don't. Now, because I think, and this adds to my melancholy, most of us would rather just push through and survive and not worry about hope than demand something better from our lives. That's sad. And I'm not judging you if that's where you're at. Like I said, I've been there too. I'm happy to say it's in the past. But it wasn't that long ago, and I remember what it feels like. How easy it was. And as we stand and look at this particular patch of darkness together, you know, maybe arm in arm for support, don't miss that teeny tiny little patch of light way in the distance on the other side. Maybe going through hell to get there. But there is a way. There really is. I feel like this isn't the first time I've talked about this, but lately I've just been struck by this. I mean, what feels to me like a tragedy that I see every time I look at a movie or a documentary that features an aging star. You know, I was watching the Arnold documentary on Netflix. I saw a trailer for a movie with Paul Giamatti called The Holdovers. And what it made me feel was, man, these guys were like meteorites coming through the atmosphere just shining bright and having their moments and just riding high in so many ways, and now they're flaming out. Right? They're on the other side of that fame. They're coasting in for a landing. You know, Paul Giamatti, it's arguable that he is a genius. And Arnold, I mean, maybe he's not as genius an actor as Paul Giamatti. I think that's pretty certain. But what he is in totality is, is iconic. It really is. Everything that he pulled off, everything that he pushed through and worked so hard for, is admirable as an achievement, despite, obviously, his moral failings. But now the end is coming. The peak is in the rearview mirror. Decay is the order of the hour. It just feels so tragic to me. Because, you see, as you get older, your genius only grows, right? The things that you've achieved accumulate. The wisdom that you have reaches its peak, but your body is going downhill toward the grave, man. <laughs> it's chilling. It really is. And I think about that movie with Paul Giamatti, I'm like, who's going to watch it? Who's going to listen to 
Some old guy that's maybe all alone in an assisted living center, but maybe he's so wise. And there's so many young people that need to hear his or her wisdom, and they just don't. And never will. That's terrifying. And then when those bodies that were once young and strong finally give out, and whatever it is that we are passes on, it's a bitter fate. To be forgotten. To go into that good night. And it makes me think to myself, and as I muse and see the world through my imagination, through my faith, I wonder, does God keep watching? Is he appreciating the work that's being done, even as the fame dwindles? I think he does. I think he smiles. <laughs> I think he geeks out. So you remember that whatever you love, I'm just going to do a little faith aside here for a second. Whatever you love, if God is real, it came from him, right? So if you geek out about something, he gets it. He made you that way. And he thinks it's awesome, right? He would be part of your club. And so he sees the work that these aging stars do as they flame out. I bet it brings him to tears. Yeah, I know it does me. And I mean, what it makes me think of is that most of us, we don't even get to burn that bright for that long, that far, in front of that many people. Whether we even get to burn bright at all is an open question. And does God see us? I'd give the same answer. But that doesn't take away the sting while we're living through it, does it? Mm-mm. No. Loneliness and anonymity, they're brutal. That's why we need each other. And why, like I said, I think the blues are so satisfying. Here's some more. I've come up against some harrowing circumstances. They've just kind of been in my orbit. Like I said, there's that back sprain that reminded me of my aging body and how I need to get in better shape and take better care of myself. There's my daughter's surgery, which was minor, but right there's always a risk. We all hear the horror stories of a minor surgery that turns out worse. So I'm thankful that it didn't. She's doing great. She's recovering. I'm thankful for that. But something that lately just blew my mind is someone that I know who is very young, not even my age, had a stroke just right on the golf course. Now, we are very thankful that this young man was rushed to the hospital, surgery was performed, the doctors fixed him up, and he's on a road to full recovery, which seems pretty dang miraculous. And there were a lot of prayers involved, trust me, but it just was so striking. 
that life is so uncertain. Even though we can create beauty and goodness and community and just all these wonderful things that are the best things in life, despite all that, people still die. Tragedies still happen. Irretrievable loss rains down on us and the sun doesn't shine and hope vanishes. That's the world we live in. You know, I understand the dualistic view of the universe. It just seems like good is not stronger than evil, so there must be kind of this equal circular yin and yang going on. I can see why people would think that. It's not a stupid idea. It makes some sort of sense of the life that we experience, of the wounded people that we see, of those elderly folks bent over their walker who will never stand up straight again. You know, what brings to my mind is this phrase, Everyone was strong once. Everyone was young once. Everyone was, in a sense, innocent once. Everyone was unscarred once. But not anymore. Not now. And these marks that we carry, that make us afraid, are just part of being human kind of blows my mind that something like the blues took so many millennia to develop, right? I guess there were sad songs before, but I don't think anything quite captures it like the blues genre does. Those wailing notes and tones of sorrow that bring such solace. I'll tell you what, I'm thankful to live in the age of the electric slide guitar. That is the truth. But this, I think, is the saddest thought of this episode, as I just look around at the world and having just come from a, it was called a celebration of life service, but it was a funeral. Death still exists. Beauty still fades and turns to ash. We are not out of these woods. We each have to travel through to the other side. And it's going to be hard times on the road. And that's why we should stick together, right? And sing songs to each other. And comfort each other. And be kind to each other. Because it can be hell out there, y'all. Let's help each other through it. Here's a little help from me. those of you who are still listening thanks for sticking around we're gonna end on a happy note okay (laughs) because that that's what we're here to do we're here to face up to the dark times head on and realize that the light is stronger so i told you about this crazy trip that i just took flying overnight to the east coast with this horrific back sprain that i'm just now getting better from leaving the wife and kids at home traveling alone having to find ways to entertain myself so I didn't fall asleep, only to get to the other side for a ceremony that marked someone's passing from this world, which is a very sad thing. 
Why would I do that? It may seem like a dumb question, but I think it's worth asking because we all do do it, right? When someone in our family passes away, we make the trek to be there. And if we don't, we feel guilty. It's important. And why? Because as I've said a few times throughout this show, and I want to really hit it for you here, what helps us get through this, what helps these summertime blues, is not being alone. Being with others that you love and that love you. I can't tell you how much fun it was. I mean, when I said there was laughter, there really was. I mean, I saw people that I have not seen in decades that are now all grown up and have families of their own, yeah, just like me, that are now grandparents when they used to just be uncles, new kids that have come into the family, healed relationships that came out of broken ones, memories that I had never even heard about. I mean, we sat around in a square and just talked about granddad Will and who he was and what he did. And it was so interesting to hear the things that kept getting repeated. You know, his laugh, the way he told stories, the way he loved history, the way he loved poetry. Obviously, he made an impact on all of us. Even though he's gone, his memory carries so much power. And as we were all still sad and mourning his loss, there was so much hope and peace and solace in being together. And knowing that, you know, that might be the last time that that happens. Grandma won't live forever. And then we'll come together to celebrate her, but I don't know if everybody will make it the way they did last time. Who knows? Life is uncertain. You know, she might outlive some of the rest of us. We don't know. But that said, it was absolutely worth the trip. And now my mom and dad said, thank you so much for coming. I mean, here's the thing. They helped out. They helped get us there. But they thanked us so profusely for being there. And what I said to them was, no thanks needed. This was absolutely worth every amount of sacrifice to get here, to be part of this celebration, and to see everybody, and to be together, and to be part of the solace-giving, comfort-providing process for each other. To come away not just with tears, but with joy. And to know that this little tribe of ours is kind of a beacon in the darkness for each of us. And even though we're spread out all across the country, and I mean all across the country, We still exist. We are the relatives and the children and the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren of these two beautiful people, Will and Jean Blake. So when these summertime blues overtake me and I feel like there's an endless, hopeless afternoon that dominates my view all the way to the horizon, I just stop and look around and remember. Yeah, it seems dark. But in the end, there's light and being together will help us find it. That's all for this week, my friends. Despite the true blues flavor, I hope you're feeling better about everything. I hope listening to me share my pain maybe eased yours. And hey, if you're feeling alone right now, stick around, okay? I'm going to give you some contact information and you can reach out to me. Because it's not always easy to be together, to find that hope and solace that I talked about. And if I can help you take a first step, I would love to. 
If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and share, rate and review on whatever podcast platform you're on. It really helps people find the show. If you loved it so much that you want to give the show some concrete support, just go to the last link in the show notes. It says support, click on through that, and you'll find some ways you can help us keep doing what we're doing. As I said, if you need to reach out to me, you can go to revenantalien.com slash contact, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Medium. Just search for at a revenant alien and look for the logo. And I'm also trying to be more active on a platform called Good Pods. It's sort of a indie podcaster's social media podcasting conglomeration. It's just great. So if, you, if you're a podcast junkie and you're looking for some hidden gems, check it out. Good Pods, all one word. And if you're a podcaster or a listener or both, go ahead and give me a shout. You know, I'd love to hear your show, rate and review it in return, and just help keep this good vibe going because... You know, most of us aren't gigantic podcasters, and and that's okay. We're making what we want to make, and we're making what we love. And I love how Good Pods helps us all do that. And as always, if you find yourself traveling through a hot, hazy afternoon and see nothing but endlessness and hopelessness, I hope you'll go to revenantalien.com slash searchers and read through what's there. It's the best hope I know, and I hope you'll think it over. Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there. <laughs>